Welcome to the Knack for Business podcast, where we talk with experts around the globe about relevant business topics to help you succeed in your business. The hosts are Bernie Franzberg and Wayne Pratt. Knack for Business is about sharing knowledge, networking, architecture, connecting, and being creative. That is what Knack stands for. The common threads of any business are people, money, continuous change. In a diverse world, we are unique and face the same wins and challenges. In this podcast, we invite you to learn about what is out there and how connecting with people and ideas helps us. We cover a range of business topics from yourself, finances, legal, real estate, IT, social media, and anything else to the list that supports your work. Even your competitors have something to offer you. My name is Bernie Franz Group from Creative Insight. My co-host is Wayne Pratt from Motivate You. At Creative, we are B2B connectors, actually people-to-people connectors. We bring you those interesting business people that can help grow yours. At Creative, we help you awaken your knack to connect with the business communities and networks to leverage your business. Wayne, tell us a bit about Motivate You, Inc. Motivate You is a goal-setting and coaching company that helps owners and entrepreneurs be, do, and have more, including more fun. Quick thank yous for their support. First off, Carl Richards from Podcast Solutions Made Simple, the podcast expert. Brad Crouch, the property wizard podcaster, where I'm a co-host, and my business partner, Melanie Weber, plus Wayne Pratt from Motivate You for sparking these podcasts. Today's guest is Susan Blaine. She's a change agent, on-air host, storyteller, videographer, a mental health activist, In our society, she finds that mental illness is often misunderstood and stigmatized. We like to call it mental wellness because you can't find wellness if you don't believe in the illness. She has created a project called Dare to be Vulnerable. She supports Habitat for Humanity, Suits Me, a self-esteem workshop for women, business mentor for a junior achievement, and loves walking dogs and baking. And today's topic is be vulnerable, be free, be healthy. Susan, welcome. Thank you so much, Bernie. So how should society look at mental health? With compassion. That's the simplest way. It's a human thing. Their mental health does not discriminate. It doesn't matter whether you're young or old, rich or poor, what cultural background you come from, whether you're a man or a woman, a younger person, sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. It's a human thing. We need to have compassion for each other. I am a big fan of quotes and I'm a big fan of Brene Brown. I follow her on social media and I repost things. So this is a beautiful quote that says, when love meets suffering and stays loving, then we have compassion. That's how I feel we should be looking at mental health. Susan, how can a community back this up? I think stigma is still an issue, Wayne. I was talking with Tim Kluke, the CEO of the Ottawa Hospital Foundation, just a couple of weeks ago on LinkedIn Live. And when I first met him 20 years ago, he was CEO of the Royal Ottawa Foundation, and they launched an anti-stigma campaign 20 years ago. They were the first hospital in the country to launch an anti-stigma campaign. And here we are in 2022, 20 years later, needing it more than ever. How can a community get behind it? The Conference Board of Canada just recently released their new stats 
<laughs> what's a stat, right? You have to stand up and be counted. So they're always lower yep. than reality, but there are new stats around mental health for 2021. It used to be one in five. Now it's one in four. I'd love to see what 2022 brings. They're talking about anti-stigma and what the most effective way to deal with stigma is. And guess what? It's what we're doing today. Talk, talk. Share our lived experiences. Make it more commonplace, more comfortable. Remove the shame. Break the silence. The only way we're going to do that is keep having conversations. That's why I'm so passionate about it and sharing my own lived experience. I have no shame now. <laughs> I used to be very trapped in silence and I was suffering greatly. And now I speak about it openly and I'm encouraging other people to do the same and making an impact that way. Why do people feel shame? What is either they themselves or people around them? Good question. Stigma is the word often used. I like to replace mm -hmm. it with shame because that's how we feel. We either we feel shameful or we're being shamed. But let's use the word stigma because that's the yeah. common word. So there's three types of stigma. There's self-stigma, social stigma, and institutional stigma. And I talked to somebody yesterday who works for one of the local mental health institutions or organizations, and he said, it's alive and well inside our organization too, stigma. So self-stigma is the most harmful because it's toxic shame. It's what we feel inside and often do not voice. It's very it's toxic shame. It's like fear on steroids. And that's the most dangerous because that silence can be deadly. And that's why we have an increase in suicides in this country, unfortunately, well, around the world, but particularly here. Suicides are not reported on the news for a reason, but they're on the rise. I don't like to spend a lot of time on statistics because that's a slippery slope to depression for me, but yeah. it's reality. What are the treatment plans that would help people? What are the different ways to address this in seeking out help? Well, I think the first step is talking about it to somebody that you trust. And for a lot of people mm -hmm. who are struggling in silence, they haven't even crossed that threshold yet. So that's the first step. And there are so many ways, like when I was, I suffered a trauma. Let me backtrack. I've struggled with mental health all my life. I think I first recognized it when I was a teenager with depression and I had mm -hmm. suicidal ideation and depression in my early twenties. And I went to a therapist. So I reached out for help. I had a conversation and that led to some help, and it made a big difference. In 2019, I suffered a big trauma from an act of betrayal, and I lost everything. And I'm in my mid-50s now. I'm 57 now, but I was in my mid-50s then, and I lost everything. I lost my home. I lost my money. I lost my savings. I was homeless. I can rifle them off like points now, but I'll tell you, it was a dark time. It was hard. I was suicidal. I reached out for help. I had a conversation with a friend and my friend said these exact words to me, Susan, you need more help than I can give you. And I would recommend that you look at going into the hospital. That was tough to hear. And I, I did it. So I'm proud of myself for taking that step, reaching out for help. I was hospitalized in 2020 just to put a time frame on this March 11th. 
2020. If you remember that time in the world, March 13th was a Friday, and that's when COVID swept the world. And it shut down all the programs in the hospital. Even people that had gone out for the weekend couldn't come back. I was in the mental health unit at the Ottawa Queensway Carleton Hospital. And all the programs shut down. So what I would have been able to tap into as an outpatient, having been in the hospital for several weeks and under the care of a psychiatrist, I would have been able to tap into some programs and support and workshops and that kind of thing. But they all shut down. So you're looking at a do-it-yourselfer. <laughs> so I have a lot of different <laughs> ways that one can navigate themselves through. I was medicated in the hospital, coming out of the hospital, and it helped bridge a time. And now I take medication as needed for my anxiety because I was diagnosed with anxiety disorder, depression, and later PTSD. I've been meeting a lot of amazing people. I've had 155 conversations around this Dare to be Vulnerable project with local people and actually some people around the world. So there's a lot of folks doing some incredible work in this space that come at it from different perspectives. But you know what? The fundamental tool, I guess, is mindfulness because that's where it's all happening. Now, there are physical things that are happening, but it's steered by the mind. So there's a lot of great practices. I meditate every day. I walk in nature every day with dogs. Dogs have been very instrumental in my healing journey, my own dog and other dogs, because they're always in the moment. So they help you stay in the present. So there are so many things. And that's going to be the back end of this project. I'm uh, looking at technology that will help build a back end to this Dare to be Vulnerable project that will take each of us as individuals as we become part of the community and help us design, customize a path or a plan to mental well-being. Because it's different for everybody. There are some common tools, but the customized plan is individual because no, no two of us are alike. There's no one size fits all in anything. It's about making some changes. We may need to make a commitment to our mental well-being. That's a big part of it. There was a CEO in Ottawa. His name is Kevin Ford. He runs Callion Group and he jumped on a LinkedIn Live with me. He lost his father to suicide, his brother-in-law to suicide, his sister struggles with depression. He shared himself. He's no stranger to it. And he talked about a three-legged stool. And he's always had this philosophy that life is like a three-legged stool. We have our mental health, we have our physical health, and we have our financial health. Mm. And we focus a lot on our physical and our financial health. But guess what? We don't focus a lot on our mental health until it catches up with us and the body keeps score and it stops us in our tracks like it did for me. We need to spend time. We need to develop practices and rituals that support our mental health because that mental health is health. And if we don't have our mental health, boy, it starts to manifest in the body and create other challenges for us. I hope that's helpful. It is. So how can a business be an active support to one of its staff? that are going through an experience. I read something great the other day. Just be a good listener, fundamentally. Try not to be a counselor because that's not what we're qualified to do, but a great listener and then help guide somebody. An organization can have good programs in place. I know a lot of millennials now out there looking for work or evaluating organizations within the workplace. They're looking for that. 
they're looking for organizations that have that offer a good plan. So there's some companies that are stepping up in terms of their employee benefits programs. But the other way is also to be involved in something like this, to align themselves with a project that's really peer-to-peer, peer-to-peer conversations. And that's part of my plan too, is to create some programs and some workshops that we can bring people to, gather people to, and take out to companies and really promote more of this talk. It's the number one solution, the best solution to busting the stigma and the shame around it. Susan, do you see any differences between what I would call situational depression and chemical depression? I'm not a medical practitioner, so it's not really my area of expertise. I can really just speak to my own experience. Throughout my life, I've been diagnosed with acute depression. Tim Kluke talked about in our LinkedIn Live, and I'm going to forget the terminology, but it's like a low-grade depression. And then I'm not sure what you mean by chemical depression. If your mother dies yesterday, yes, that is going to affect your mood. Yes, indeed. Then there's dopamine, serotonin, all the stuff in our body that's separated from our events. Yes. I find that we don't always know how to treat them differently. I think some of the treatments are the same. I think you're talking, if somebody dies, that's grief. Okay. And there's no two are alike in terms of how they move through that grief. I work with a good friend of mine, Don LaChance, and he's a grief and loss specialist. So I've learned a lot. He was one of my support structures my do-it-yourself team so he has a lot of knowledge somebody that would be great for this program there are some things that are the same i think i'm going to come default again to mindfulness that it's such a big tool that we can all use and build our tool chest with there's so much out there and it's free so much that you can look at on youtube and i have used so much of that over these last couple of years where Every day I'm listening to something that's guiding me or assisting me to a better sense of well-being and a better sense of presence and self. So it's been instrumental for me. But I'm sorry, I can't really speak to the medical side of things. You answered the question exactly how you should have. (laughs) No answer is wrong. (laughs) And you've got your background there which the people can't see, but tell us about Dare to be Vulnerable. The Dare to be Vulnerable project, it's all about engaging conversation around our mental health. And it's peer-to-peer, so it's not medical practitioner to patient. It's peer-to-peer. I am someone of a certain age and gender and stage in life who's sharing my lived experiences. They talk about big T and little t in the trauma world, big trauma and little trauma. And 2019 was a big trauma for me. But I also talk about that I've lived all my life struggling with my mental health. And it's really not until recently that I've really understood it all. So this project was born from that trauma and from that dark, deep experience and the courage that I have built to be vulnerable. And by vulnerable, I mean sharing something that can be difficult and uncomfortable, speaking out about it. Vulnerability is not a weakness. It's a superpower, as Brene Brown says, and it is. 
out of 155 conversations that I've had in a series that I did on YouTube in 2019 called Sharing with Susan B, which was all around conversations around vulnerability, I know firsthand the power of vulnerability and it has the power to set us free. And so many of us are afraid of that because we're afraid of judgment. And what I am demonstrating in this project is that's not true. That's a miss. And when you actually step into vulnerability, as I read that quote earlier to you about love and compassion when somebody's struggling, when you have the courage to step up and be vulnerable with someone you trust, and there's something magical that happens, and it's a human thing, we feel something from that person that's stepping into their courage and sharing and being vulnerable. We feel that discomfort in ourselves that they're stepping into and there is an admiration and something in us that sets us free gives us permission now to step into that vulnerability let go of our shame because there's compassion there so this project's all about fundamentally storytelling sharing our lived experiences. I want to do hundreds and hundreds of these. I'm starting with 48 and I'm fundraising to create the 48 because we're going to create them in a video format. We're going to package them, promote them through across many platforms and many different networks over an entire year. Each of these pieces, I think of them as digital self-care tools or peacekeeping soldiers that are going out into the world to have an impact on the people that witness others sharing their stories around their mental health. And, you know, this photograph, this beautiful still image of this beautiful man, it's representative of the diversity that I'm also after in this project that I'm very committed to because I represent a certain middle-aged white woman demographic, mother professional, but they're, as I said earlier, mental health does not discriminate. So this project will represent all of us. And that's my mission in starting with the first 48 here locally in Ottawa. And that's what I'm raising funds for. And then developing that back end that I talked to before using artificial intelligence technology to help build a path or build a plan for individuals to work on their own mental wellness, to build tools or their own toolbox to navigate themselves. It's a lifelong journey. I was talking to a veteran the other day and he has PTSD, but he's done a lot of studying. He has a lot of academic accreditation behind him in the mental health field. And he said, Susan, PTSD will never be healed. It'll always be there. And I was like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> Doing all this work. He said, no, it'll always be there. But what changes or what evolves is our ability to handle it. And I think that's true about our mental health. We're all somewhere on that spectrum. One end is mental illness and at the other end is mental well-being. And we're all somewhere along that spectrum, all of us at all times depending on what we're doing to that third leg of the stool. How much time are we actually spending improving our mental health? I spend a lot of time. Susan, what would be our top takeaways for our listeners then for viewing mental health and taking care of themselves? Carve out some time every day for you. 
for this. I love journaling. I'm a big fan of journaling, writing things down, just dumping them off, having conversations. That's probably my favorite thing. I get to do it because of the work I'm doing every day. Huge in my healing journey. Again, the biggest thing is dare to be vulnerable in your own life and have those conversations with people that you trust. Share. So start to practice sharing your vulnerability, sharing some of those things. And I'm not talking about fire hosing everybody and splashing it all over social media. And I'm not talking about that. And there's even a fine line of sharing and complaining. And it took me a while to get the language around it for myself. I stumbled at the beginning and because it was hard. So it takes practice. Start with people that you can trust and start to think about developing a toolbox for yourself to keep that yourself your mental health strong like you would your physical health or your financial health as Kevin Ford says so think of carve out time like we carve out time so many of us there's so much out there how much time do you spend for you and self-love and it's all really in the same category and we just busy ourselves with everything that pulls us and we need to redirect some of that focus that's the human journey it's just to be present and to be kind to ourselves i don't i i hesitate sometimes with some of this language it's so overused i'm trying to come up with some really cool new creative language but we're all saying the same thing spend some time focused on your mental well-being and do some research go on youtube look at some things that you're curious about and put some of those practices into your life. I guarantee you, it will make a world of difference over time. Susan, thank I, you. I, I'm living proof today. Susan, how can folks reach you and be supportive of the Dare to Be Vulnerable project? DareToBeVulnerable.com is our website. And contact us comes directly to me. Susan at SusanBlaine.com. But to that, if you click there, I'm starting a GoFundMe as well and looking at Patreon to build a community and support for the first 48 stories that we have planned here locally. And that's the best way to reach me. Susan Blaine, thank you so much. To my co-host, Wayne Pratt, thank you. And to our Knack for Business listeners, thank you for listening today. And so to reach out to myself, B. Fransgrote at Creative Insight is B-F-R-A-N-Z-G-R-O-T-E at K-R-E-A-T-I-V-I-N-S-I-G-H-T dot com. Website's creativeinsight.com. And Wayne, how can folks reach you, sir? Wayne at motivateyou.ca. That's W-A-Y-N-E at M-O-T-I-V-E, the number eight the letter U dot C-A. Thank you for listening to Knack for Business. If you like this content, we have more coming. Like and subscribe. Give us a review. Until next time.